But this morning, we're continuing on in the Calm series as we're discovering this. We're discovering God's solution, like to the stress, the anxiety um, that can wear us out. As I said last week, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable in the time in which we live. But what I'm confident of today is that the prison of anxiety is optional. In other words, you don't have to like camp out there. Listen, we're going to be challenged by anxiety and worry, but it doesn't have to rule our lives. It doesn't have to rob us of the joy of life. And God knew that we were going to be challenged. God knew that in the frailty of air being, that we would be challenged with anxiety and stress and worry, that we would have a tendency to worry. So he gave us a prescription. And, and the prescription's found in Philippians chapter 4. You can go ahead and look there if you have your Bibles. I'll get there in, in just a moment. But before I get there, let me ask a question this morning. When someone asks you how you're doing, how do you answer that question? When someone asks you, how are you doing? How do you answer that question? Now, most of the people I talk to these days answer with, with two variations. Either they say, I'm stressed or I'm busy. That's the most common response. I'm stressed or I'm busy. If you dig a little deeper, it's easy to see that at a deep level, most people feel anxious and overwhelmed. And it's like the 21st century that we live in, right? Your single em- email inbox has been replaced by multiple inboxes everywhere you look so like at any time anyone can reach you, like there's no escape, there, there, there's no quiet. The news you watch today is no longer facts that inform, it's just an endless cycle of outrage and controversy that stirs what it stirs anxiety within us. Then there's your social media feed these days that's full of outrage and controversy as well. Have you noticed that? Plus that, you have this ongoing list of growing responsibilities at work and home, whatever that might look like in your life. And you know, because of technology today, the tendency is, is work goes home with us. So like you never get away from that. So again, there's this growing stress. And on top of that, there's just the everyday reality of the problems of life, like the, the dryer breaks, the transmission goes out, the air conditioner breaks, and it's 95 degrees out. Um, The kids are having a bad day that creates a bad day for you, right? I mean, that's the reality of the ongoing stuff of life. Then if we're not careful in the midst of that, we can begin to have like this negative, we can feed our minds negative information that just seems to compound the situation. Because then the emotion of anxiety is not a sign of weakness, immaturity, or demon possession. It's, I think it's simply a result of living in a, a challenging, fast-changing world today. Like, the reality is you're going to have anxiety. But again, you don't have to live in that. You don't have to camp out in that. Anxiety is not a sign of weakness, but it does weaken us. It, it takes our sleep. It numbs our minds. It clutters our heart with dread. I, I think of a call that I had. This has been some time ago. I received a phone call from someone who was ready to quit on life ready to quit the marriage. They were ready to quit the job. They were ready to quit life, meaning that they were contemplating taking their life. Like the trouble they had been navigating had continued to grow. There was depression that they were battling in the midst of this. They just came to the end and said, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And so in a conversation with God's help, 
I'm not the professional, I'm not the trained professional, but with God's help, I was able to give them a bit of a different perspective. I was able to encourage them. And then I was able to connect them with a trained professional that could help them dig deeper into the problem. Here was an individual as a result of anxiety, as a result of the pressure of life, the demands of life, all of the stuff that they were experiencing, they were ready to quit ready to take their life. Now, I would say that that story is not unique. Now, maybe you're not at the place of thinking of ending your life, but this is what I know today. The more I interact with individuals, the more I talk with individuals, with more individuals that make their way to my office, what I've discovered is like we are overwhelmed in the chaos of our world, the stress of our world. So how can we find, how can we find calm in the chaos of our world. I think we, what we all know today is that trouble in life is unavoidable. Like even Jesus reminded, of it, reminded us of that, right? In John 16, 33, what did Jesus say? In this world, you will have trouble. So trouble that feeds anxiety and worry are reality. But here's the deal, folks. You get to determine how you process the trouble. It's so important that you understand that. Trouble's a reality, but you get to determine like how you're going to process, how you're going to process the trouble. You get to determine whether you internalize the anxiety until you explode or whether you address it in a healthy way. The choice is yours. And the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, anxiety doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it only empties today of its strength. Isn't that true? Like, have you ever noticed that worrying about something doesn't change the outcome? Like, have you, ever, have you ever changed the outcome of something simply by worrying, simply by fretting, simply by being anxious over it? No. Like, worrying, worrying doesn't change anything. It actually only creates greater challenges within our lives. Listen, no amount of anxiety can change the future. No amount of regret can change the past. So better than being weighed down by worry and worn out by anxiety is to embrace, to put to work the prescription that God gives us in his word for like how, how we can deal with, how we can, how we can withstand the stress, the anxiety, the pressure. Again, God knew that we were going to have this tendency to be anxious. So he gave us this way to be, this way that we can have calm in the chaos of our world. So I want to read again. We looked at this last week. We want to read it again this week. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Listen to what Paul had right now. But before I read this, let me say again, in case you were not here last week, last weekend was a holiday weekend, so some of you were out. But Paul is actually writing this letter from a prison cell. How many of you know, prison cell is not a happy place to be. Prison cell would have a tendency to create some anxiety. Can we all agree on that? Like Paul had no idea if he was going to get out of prison, when he would get out of prison, or even if he would get out alive. Not only that, he's dealing with, as we, as we would know from the letters that he wrote, the prison epistles, he's also carrying this anxiety, this weight, this concern about the, the believers, the churches that he's planted. Like, are they going to be able to withstand the persecution? Are they going to stay true to the faith? So in the midst of what would have been, I think, a pretty, the potential for a pretty anxious time, the Apostle Paul writes these words, Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. 
The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things or set your mind on such things. So here, Paul tells us how we can have, again, calm in the, in the chaos of our world. Now, in case you were not here last week, the word calm that we're playing off of is actually an acrostic. The four letters of calm actually gives us the prescription for anxiety, for the worry that has a tendency to, to wear us down and to wear us out. So I, I want to give you these four, and then we're going to jump into what, what, what I want to spend our time on today. But the C, the letter C in calm, is... Um, represents this, celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Rejoice always to celebrate. We talked about this last week. You know, in life, we can worry or we can worship, right? Right? Again, you, you have your will. You get to determine, are you going to worry or are you going to worship? And this is what happens. When we worry, we make the problem bigger. Are you with me? When we worship, we make God bigger. So the question is, is what are you making big in your life, right? So the C, if we want to find calm in the chaos, first we want to celebrate God's goodness. The A in calm is this, ask for God's help. And that's what we're going to spend our time talking about today. But before we get there, let me give you the rest of the acrostic. The L in calm is leave your concerns with him. We want to transfer and transfer the load. And then the M in calm is to meditate on good things. We want to focus on or fill our minds with the right information. Folks, here's the truth. You can choose what you think about. You get to set that in your mind. You, you, you can choose what you focus on, what, what you feed your mind. If we feed our minds the right information, that right information can actually help us overcome anxiety. If we feed our minds the wrong information, it ties us up in knots. So we're going to talk about the last week of this series, what you're thinking about, meditating on good things. But for the rest of our time this morning, we're going to focus in on the second part, the second part of God's prescription for anxiety. When, when trouble comes or life's wearing you out or you're feeling overwhelmed or when your children are stressing you out or when work's draining you, here's what you want to do. You want to ask for God's help. Ask for God's help. Really simple. What are we going to do? We're going to ask for God's help. You know, the good news for us today is that we don't have to process life alone. Like, we don't have to carry life's burdens all alone. We have, we have help. Our God's not just a sovereign creator who's seated in the heavenlies. Get this, friends. He is Emmanuel. Like, he, he's the one who's with us to help us. So tell your neighbor this morning, encourage them, say, hey, you got help. You got help. Listen, when you're in the midst of an anxious time, a worried-filled time, if you can get your mind around this, that you have help, that God's present with you, what does it do? It begins to shift your thinking. It begins to change your perspective. In Psalms 46, listen to how Psalm 46 verse 1 reads, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. 
And verse 7 then goes on to say, therefore we will not fear, or therefore we will not be anxious. Notice the scripture says God is ever-present. That means he's always with us in every situation we face. He's ever-present to help us process and navigate life. So that means the one who spoke the world into existence, the one with whom all things is possible, is what he's present with us. And when we get anxious and we get worried, we have a tendency to forget that. That's why we get anxious, right? That's why we get worried. Because we forget that God is with us. Listen, although at times you may feel alone, can I tell you as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're never alone? Isn't that good news? Although you may feel overwhelmed at times, you have help. We simply need to invite God into our situation. So when worries draining you or anxieties tying you up in knots, when the pressure or trouble life's wearing you out, here's what you need to do. Here's some action that you can take to find calm in the chaos. Four things this morning I want to share with you quickly. The first is this. Be confident that God is able. Be fully persuaded. Fully persuaded that there's nothing that's beyond God's ability. I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Hear the words of the Lord. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Can we say that last phrase together? Would you say that with me? But with God, all things are possible. No, it doesn't say some things. Let's say it again. But with God, what? All things are possible. Listen, when you can anchor yourself to that truth, listen, you have artillery against worry. You have artillery against anxiety. When we truly embrace, when we're confident that with God all things are possible. Listen, not only is God able, but he's, he's ready to help. He's present. I, I know for myself personally, I was just reflecting back over my 27 years that I've been blessed to lead Grace Covenant. It's been an amazing journey, an amazing ride, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. But I would be lying to you if I wasn't true to say, man, at times it's been really difficult. At times you've created a lot of problems for me. <laughs> Oftentimes I've told God, God, if it wasn't for these people, I wouldn't have any problems. Where there's people, there's problems, right? I mean, that's the reality of life. But in the midst of 27 years, I've had times where I've been stressed and pressed and just felt overwhelmed. A few times I've thought about writing a letter of resignation in 27 years just because it just became like too much. At times it was the price tag that came with a building project. At times it was just like the presence of a lot of problems happening all at the same time. I think in this most recent season, walking through COVID and trying to navigate that, what does it, what does it mean? How do, we, how do we lead? How do we respond? What do we do? How do we deal with all of the concerns and what's the right choice? And My point being, 27 years, I... I've had times where I've just been pressed against the wall, pressed in the corner, challenged, um, overwhelmed, whatever you want to call it. But each and every time that I've stepped back from the situation, 
and reminded myself of God's presence and God's ability. Even in the midst of the problems, there was a peace that would come. There was a confidence that would come. There was this idea of, hey, with God, I've got this. I don't know the answer all the time, but with God, like, I've got this. But there was peace that came simply by um, reminding myself that God is able, whatever the situation might be. And I think the same, the same would be true for you. So when, when we step back from the situation, whatever the situation is that's generating the stress, the anxiety, the worry, and we remind ourselves of the God that we serve and his ability. Listen, this is what I know today. You're limited, but God's not. Isn't that good news? Like you have, there's human limitations, but God has no limitations. When the stress comes and the worry, the anxiety, the first thing I would encourage you to do as we're asking God for help is be confident that God is able. So encourage your neighbor. Hey, tell them that God is able. Go ahead and tell them. Like God is able. Not only is God able, but he cares. When you're stressed and pressed and feeling overwhelmed, you need to be convinced that God cares. And he knows and he cares. I mean, think about this. You are so valuable that Christ died for you. You are so valuable that God gave what was most precious to him for you, being his son. Listen, he not only cares for you, but he cares about you. He cares about what you're struggling with. I mean, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, 26, 27, Jesus talked about, hey, don't worry. Don't be stressed. Don't worry about all of these things and life that everyone else is worried about. He said, like, like, look how God takes care of the birds. Like, they're not stressed. They're not flipping out. They're not worn out with worry. And he says, even as God takes care of them, so even more so he's going to take care of you. Like, you're more valuable than they are. In that time of stress and anxiety, you want to remind yourself, not only is God able, but he cares for you. He cares for you. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. Oftentimes what I've seen is I've worked with individuals when they're stressed, when they're overwhelmed, when they're anxious, there's this tendency, here's the tendency, the adversary comes and he brings a lie. And this is the lie, nobody cares. This is the lie, nobody knows what you're going through. This is the lie, no one's there for you. In the midst of what they're processing, that's the lie that the adversary brings. And what we know is that's the opposite of the truth, right? It's the opposite of the truth. What we know is that God does care, God does love us. So what do you wanna do? You wanna confront the lie with the truth. So that's what you always want to do. When the adversary comes with a lie, what do you want to do? You want to counter it with with truth. So here's the truth, friends, this morning. The truth is you're never alone. God's with you. The truth is this, friends, he loves you outrageously. The truth is that God is good and he's working for your good. You know, when you live confident that God is able and, and, and you're confident that God is present and he's caring, he's working for you, then what it does is it changes your perspective. 
it changes how you see the situation you're walking through. It, it enables you to overcome that of the worry in, in the anxiety. What if it fuels hope. When, when we remind ourselves, not only is God able, but like he really cares for me. He cares for you. Listen, somebody needs to be encouraged this morning to tell your neighbor this. Tell him God's crazy about you. Now turn to the other neighbor and say, hey, God's crazy about you too. Listen, he has enough love to go around, right? Here's a third truth that I think is really helpful in times of anxiety. So we're talking about asking God for help is to remind ourselves to be aware that God is near. God's near. How many of you are afraid of the dark? It's okay to raise your hand. This is a safe place. I'm not afraid of the dark today, but when I was a kid, I was frightened of the dark. I wasn't scared of the dark. I was actually scared of what was in the dark. There was monsters. I had all kinds of things that I had created in my mind that was out in the dark. So when my parents, we grew up on the farm, uh, when my parents would direct me to go outside into the dark to, you know, shut the chicken pen or, you know, make sure the cow's in the stall, when they would tell me to go out into the dark, I was frightened. I became anxious because I knew there was something in the dark that was going to get me. I didn't know what it was. But something was going to get me. But when my dad would go with me, get this, when my dad would go with me, there would be no fear. When my dad would go with me, there was no anxiety. Why? Because I had someone who was going to take care of this situation. The monster, when it came, listen, he was going to get it because my dad was going to take care of it, Right? My dad was near, therefore there was no anxiety. There was no fear. So let's take a bigger picture of that. The God who loves you outrageously. The God who knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. The God who's good, who's always working for your good. Get this, he is near. If you can remind yourself of that in that place of worry, that place of anxiety, again, you can win over worry. Why? Because the Lord's near. Look back. Look back down to the scripture reads. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, as, as, we, as we interpret scripture, it's important for us, I think, to understand that scripture that scripture has one interpretation, yet oftentimes many points of application. Like there's one thing that the author of the scripture is communicating, but oftentimes there's many applications of that. So in this passage of scripture, as Paul's saying the Lord is near, he's actually speaking of the second coming of Christ. He's saying, hey, don't be anxious, don't be worried. Jesus is coming back. Like there's coming a time and a day where there's going to be no, no more trouble, no more stress, no more worry, no more anxiety, no more problem. Jesus is coming back. He says the Lord's coming is near. So that's the interpretation of this. But let me give you what I think is um, an accurate application without violating the text. Is that the Lord is near. So think about there's probably a little space between you and the person you're sitting by this morning, like the Lord is there. 
Matter of fact, look over to that space beside you. Can I tell you that the Lord is near? Like, he's here with us this morning. If I didn't believe that, I, I wouldn't even finish this message. I would just go home and go fishing or something. I, <laughs> mm. The God who loves you outrageously. The God who can turn situations around. The God who's ever-present is near. Like, he's here this morning. He's here, to, he's here to help us. He's here to act on our behalf. I said, he's not just some deity off into the universe, off into the heavenlies that's far removed. No, he's Emmanuel. He's the God who's present with us to help us. In Genesis 16, I don't have time to unpack this passage of Scripture, but it's a beautiful story of some dysfunction playing out with Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah are dealing with infertility. God's promised a child, and there's not, there's, not, there's not life in the womb, and so they try to force God's hand. How many of you know when we try to force God's hand, we always create a mess? Can we agree on that? Well, Sarah says to Abraham, look, uh, kid... Kids not happening with us, this not going well. Why don't you take my handmaiden Hagar and, you know, from her will be the offspring. Like, we're, we're going to help God with this. And so Hagar becomes pregnant in the dysfunction of all of this. Hagar becomes pregnant. Scripture says now she's, she's kind of mocking her master's being Sarah, and Sarah's upset. She blames it all on Abraham. Abraham, this is all your fault. And Abraham says, well, you, you, Sarah, you do what you want. So the scripture says that, that Sarah makes this so difficult for Hagar that she actually flees out into the wilderness. And she's distraught, like, this is horrible. And in the midst of she has this encounter. And in the encounter, again, I encourage you to read the whole story. In the encounter, God reveals to her her future, reveals to her the future of this child. His name's was Ishmael, the child that she's going to give birth to. But in the midst of it, Hagar identifies God in this way. You are El Roi. You are the God who sees me. The God who sees me. You see where I'm at. You see the injustice. You see the pain. You see the difficulty. And I would want you to know today, folks, that God sees you. The Lord is near and when we can get our arms around that truth, when anxiety comes, there's not a place for it to seed into our lives. Why? Because we, we embrace the reality of the nearness of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. Listen, you're not alone. You may feel alone. You may think you're alone. But there's never a moment in which th that, that you face in life without God being near, without his help. So know that, know that the Lord is near. Here's the final directive to help us discover calm in the chaos is be proactive and invite God into your situation as you choose prayer over despair. Listen again to how 
Philippians 4, 6 reads, it says, do not be anxious about anything. How many know that that covers like everything, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Notice the point of action here. Present your request to God. Bring your situation to God. Then verse 7 goes on to say, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So here, here it is, folks, really simple. You can worry or you can pray. And if you pray, there's no need to worry. If you give it to the Lord, there's no need to worry. With this verse... I believe Paul calls us to an action against anxiety. Up until this point, if you look at verse 4 and 5, even into 6, Paul has been talking about the character of God, the sovereignty of God, the mercy of God. Now it's our turn to take action as to our belief as to who God is. So what do we do? We choose prayer over despair. We choose to bring our concerns and troubles to the one who's able to work on our behalf, to the one who's able to turn our situation around, to the one who can bring calm in the chaos. But we want to present our request. It's interesting. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Listen to how this scripture reads. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And rather than holding on to anxiety, the scripture tells us to what? To cast. To cast our anxiety. In other words, we're transferring. The the word cast literally means to relocate something from one location to another location. So these are my keys to uh, my house and the church. This is the, the keys to my life, Right? If I take these keys and I cast them to Chris, good catch. What did I do? I just relocated, right? I cast them to Chris. I, I transferred them. Most of my problems come with those keys, so you can keep them there, Chris. <laughs> That's what Scripture directs us to, to cast, to relocate to transfer the load. Notice the scripture says, rather than being anxious, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, what are we gonna do? We're gonna present our request. We're gonna cast our cares. We're gonna gonna transfer the load. You know, in, in Luke 18, 41, interesting story, Jesus asked a blind man, so think about this, the man's blind, can't see. Jesus asked a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Now, why would Jesus ask that question? I mean, wouldn't you think it's pretty obvious? Like the man's blind. What do you think he wants? He wants his sight restored. But Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? I think Jesus wanted to hear the man articulate his specific request. And I believe he wants the same from us. Notice again, the scripture says, let your requests be made known to God. So when trouble comes, don't fret, pray. Let your requests be made known to God. When pressure is building, listen, don't cave in, pray. 
let your request be made known to God. When you're feeling anxious, don't panic. Pray. Let your request be made known to God. When you're feeling overwhelmed, don't quit. Pray. Let your request be made known to God. Then prayer is the process of inviting God into your situation, and it's transferring the weight from your life to his care. Again, what are you? You're casting. You're relocating. This is what I would encourage you to this morning. In those times where worries building, anxiety is building, can I encourage you to choose prayer over despair? Choose to transfer the load. Choose to cast that anxiety. And, and as you pray, this might be helpful for you this morning. As you pray, here's how you want to pray. I think first you want to pray with confidence. In other words, be fully persuaded. Be fully persuaded that God is able. In other words, we come with confidence. You know, James 1, 6 says, when you pray, don't doubt. Doubt is like a man blown by the sea, tossed by the wind. That man would not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Well, because he's doubting. So first, when you come in prayer, when you're asking, when you're presenting your request, I would encourage you to pray with confidence. Again, know that God is able. Second thing I would encourage you, as you're thinking about prayer, I would encourage you to pray the promises. Find a promise in the Bible that fits your problem and build a prayer around it. So in these prayers of faith, touch the heart of God and they activate the angels of heaven. Miracles are set into motion. Listen, your answer may not come overnight, but it will come and you will overcome. Pray the promises. Here's a couple examples that might be helpful for you. For example, if you're stressed about a medical situation, you have a health need. Oftentimes, I pray 2 Peter 2.24. I build a prayer around this promise that says, by your stripes, I have been healed. I pray the promise. Or if maybe it's a financial stress, maybe it's a financial point of need that has you all tied in knots, build a prayer around Philippians 4.19 that says, in my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's what it means to build a prayer around a promise. So you're taking God's word and you're actually just praying God's word. So you want to you pray with confidence. You want to pray the promises. And thirdly, I would encourage you to pray with persistence. In other words, pray and keep on praying. Don't give in and don't give up. In Luke 18, 1, the scripture says that Jesus told his disciples this parable illustrating the fact that they should pray and not give up. To pray with persistence. And the, and, and the parable is about the persistent widow who, who had a need. She had an issue. She comes to the judge and the judge just like ignores her. And if you read the story, Luke 18, she just keeps coming back and back. The judge is out on the golf course. She shows up on the golf course. The judge is at dinner. She shows up at the restaurant. Like she just keeps coming and coming. And finally the judge says, hey, I don't know who this woman is, but I'm going to grant her request because she is wearing me out. And Jesus gives this parable as this 
illustration as to how we should pray, to pray, to pray with persist, to pray and keep on praying. Friends, the path to peace is paved with prayer. Let me say that again. The path to peace is paved with prayer. So less consternation and more supplication, fewer anxious thoughts and more prayer-filled thoughts. And as you pray, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. So choose prayer. Choose prayer over despair. You know, this is what I'm confident of today, and I, I live this out every day of my life. So what I'm confident of, not only for me, but I'm confident of for you, for all of those watching online, is that God is in you, with you, and for you. If you've embraced Christ as your Savior, then this is what I know today. God is in you, he's with you, and he is for you. Can we say that together? God is in you, with you, and for you. Listen, friends, the Lord is near to whatever you're facing in life. Never face it alone. Listen, if we can remind ourselves of that truth, when anxiety's weighing us down, when worry's wearing us out, and we can find help and we can find hope. Listen, you have a God with you whom, with whom all things is possible. He's working for your good. You have a God who loves you outrageously and he's ready He's ready to help. So rather than being wrecked by anxiety, this is what we want to do. We want to ask for God's help. Really simple. And we make life way too complicated. What do we want to do when we're pressed, when we're stressed? We want to present our request to God. We want to cast. We want to cast our cares. We want to invite God into the situation. 